Daw Nation, welcome to this week's episode of In The Daw with Pixel Terrier breaking down their song Ultima. In this episode, you're going to learn about using vocals from Splice to write an entire track, a secret sound design trick with the EQ3, vocal processing, we're going to talk about the best de-essing plugins and post-processing sound design. And finally, this episode is sponsored by the AU5 and In The Daw sound design course called The School of Bass. If you want to learn more about that, we're going to talk about that later on in the episode. But Daw Nation, let's get into this episode right now. How did the song start in the very beginning? Not necessarily how you came up with the idea, but like what was the first things you started with when creating the song? Like sound design or melody or Definitely whatever? the drop. Well, how it happened was also pretty funny too. I was taking a shower. I don't know. I was thinking of like different songs like Choppas by like Getter and Space Ace. And I was just like, okay, it's just so interesting how like things are so repetitive, but like it's that much harder because like it's the same beat again and again like choppas it's just like dun, what dun, what like it just keeps going and in ultima it's pretty much the same thing just like a little bit more melodic because of the square so i jumped out of the shower <laughs> i grabbed my laptop and i just i made like a really early concept and that's kind of how you like were you dressed this happens all the time it happens that's i mean this is where inspiration you don't know when inspiration hits you you gotta you gotta jump on it you're just dripping on that chair take the moment and it doesn't matter anything else Jeez. you need to get the idea down on paper exactly. that's kind of what i did by jumping out of the shower because i would have lost it so you're saying it's a little bit more melodic because of the square can you explain that a little bit more the square has a tone to it it is the same note so but then the last note changes i'm not i don't really have the midi open it does shift you can you can see this a lot more in action on the third drop where we combine with some super saws It's still quite monotonous on the first one, but it does have a nice tone to it. To be honest, a lot of the artifacts and a lot of the tonality is because of just like random distortion. And then um, yeah, what makes it unique is obviously the artifacts. Yeah, the artifacts. So you can hear all this wind. It's a little laggy, but you can tell that it's been like heavily compressed and OTT and just distorted yeah. beyond belief. There's like a, there are like different like complementing notes under it. And that's all thanks to how like, like the resonance of like the filter under distortion. So it wasn't intentional, but it, it gave like a nice melodic touch to it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but so in the drop, you know, on the downbeat, the sound is playing the root note probably. And then the saw, which is kind of playing the response part is then playing the melody over time. Is that what you're saying? In a sense. The square. So yeah, we have like the sawtooth bass. No quarter in any sense. We also layered it with a brass. This is the root note, which I believe is D. And the square way. I really wish I had the mini. I just froze this. This is it's been a little bit, but there's a lot going on. EQ3 is like non-passive when you put a bunch of them on we just slap a lot of eq3s on and it gives it like this sort of wet character that's actually a really cool thing we can show you so i'm gonna play i'm gonna grab just a random kick sample so you're saying you grab the eq3 but you don't do anything to it but just having them on the chain exactly yeah. just a regular eq3 three to five you can see the effect after like one or two but yeah for the most part the way the eq3 is made i can obviously i don't I haven't really looked into it too much, but the EQ3 has three knobs as opposed to like the parametric EQ, like the regular EQ8 or like a fab filter where you, it's like a visual EQ. So rudimentary and because it's so rudimentary and because you only have three knobs, I guess there's like a slight notch between where they start dividing 
the low, the mid, and the high, because you have the option. Okay, I have a kick right here. You know, a regular kick sample. This is blowing my mind already. <laughs> but here, yeah, right. regular kick sample, right? As I mentioned, the EQ3 only has three, three knobs, and also the other two remaining knobs, I believe there are two remaining. Yeah, the frequency low, frequency high. You kind of decide where like the low ends and the mid starts, as opposed to where the mid ends and the high starts. But right off the bat, it's at 250 hertz. So I don't really think you hear it. So I'm gonna try to duplicate this a couple of times so you can see, so you can actually hear the full effect. What I've gathered from just hearing it, it's like a combination of just like, there might be a slight notch where each of these start and ends in addition to just resonance. So here's without any Q3s, here's with 40 Q3s. You hear that? It really, and honestly, like it just starts like comb filtering, right? Because you're starting to notch things out and replace things and yeah, move stuff around, right? It, it rounds out because I'm not going to say there are peaks, but there, there, are, there is like a little bit of resonance happening around the 250 and around the... So yeah, again, and here, here are just like eight. <laughs> you really hear it. With that, we always put like at least like three EQ3s in all our bases. That's just kind because of, yeah, that's kind in of our like browser, So you can hear each, in, well, when you are able to, it's good in lower sounds because when you are able to hear like each individual waveform, just like pass through and like you hear like low frequencies, obviously, or lower notes, you can hear uh, like each like took, 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 took. Since you can hear every instance of yeah. the lower frequency. I so, think yeah. that's, that's a, also part of kind of like how some of our bass sounds have become sort of yeah. pixel terror signature in, in a way is we, it, we, it makes we, it sound we, wet. We, Put a lot of EQ3s and a lot of phase on everything. There's this trick that I learned from Mr. Bill. We talk about it in our AU5 sound design course, but have you ever seen his, his time-based glitch effects? So basically, this is crazy. We don't have to do this right now, but I just got to tell you about it. So basically what it is, is you grab five utilities and you max them out, right? So they're plus 36 all the way through right? And then, and then you put a limiter on the end, obviously, before the five um, utilities, you put a distortion on it. So like you can do saturation, you can do overdrive, you do whatever you want, something that distorts it. And then you put a time-based effect in between those two. So in between the, the distortion effect and in between the other thing. And when you put a time-based effect on it, like, like a reverb or a delay or whatever, it kind of sounds like a reverb explosion, but then it like, and then it like hardcore glitches into itself. It's the craziest thing. It's like, like an artifact kind of thing. Taking advantage of the artifacts. You know, no, that's, it's, yeah, it's just manipulating like things. That's what we to do. Degree. That's what we do. To that's what we do a lot. We that's how. That's a, how we restart on this. Things. Yeah, we sort of start on this more kismet collab. That's how I kind. Of, that's kind of how I did that little. Like old, it was just yeah. like all facts basically like the end of an ott of a bass is just like like the squeaky you know like you can't really you can make a sample pack just you yeah purely, resampling it and just purely messing it. with the what you get is just really fun the vocal in this song is super intriguing it sounds like it's either sped up or pitched up maybe both talk to me about like how you recorded that and how you processed the vocal well we actually did not record this is a spice vocal we did spice. do some well we love spice for a lot of our tunes recently especially spice. especially particularly the monster cat releases we have another one coming up yeah maxima drops we we got some nice vocals for that mm -hmm. we, like it's kind of thrilling to like hunt on splice to mm -hmm. find the right things so here's here are the original vocals just straight from spice you've got me saying what's in my head filling my mind with these images yeah and it's the way that you look at me Makes me feel like I can't breathe It ain't right, right, it ain't right, 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 it ain't right Oh no So you have to, I mean, you know the lyrics of the original one, so Got me saying what's in my head Filling my mind with these images, yeah. And it's the way that you look at me 
pitched up, sped up, melodyne. We treat them like they are real recorded vocals. So of course, like it's, it, we got them dry. Uh, there's obviously some tuning in the original one, but we wanted to just make it like a lot more correct and a lot more overly auto-tuned in a sense because everyone likes a lot of auto-tuned. <laughs> with EDM and electronic dance music. So it's natural for it to be not natural. So all we have on that is NS1 just killing some of the noise in the background. We have two auto-tunes, uh, one that's a little softer, one at 17% retune, and then one at 24. So it's a smudge of both. So it kind of like one corrects it and then one kind of corrects it once more. It's good because auto-tune can get a little phasey whenever you, whenever like it's in between two notes. So this kind of like ensures that like one is like working and then one is working a little bit more. This is normal too. I mean like reverb, for example, like yeah. many times we'll have if you put a couple reverbs acting as different sort of, you know, one can be super minimal just to give it a little bit of room. Yeah. And then, you know, we'll be using another one for like its, its actual effect just for people out there. That are, that are new like there's a lot of times two of like a little bit of minimal effect is better than one like large effect so you can get everything to fit or achieve a desired sound so then we have an eq hit it with some ott as well um more eqing just you can see a lot of these eqs are kind of the same mostly around like 3k 6k those are like more of the harsher frequencies when it comes to vocals like the nasally deester just so you can kill the s's a little bit more we're using this, waves. the waves i thought waves has ones called sibilance too they did it's, it's kind of like it's like a baby D so I'm a de-esser like junkie. I've been like, I'm looking for, there's like the Renaissance de-esser, there's this de-esser, there's the Pro DS. Sometimes I just put in Nectar 3 and I just, I mute everything and just use the de-esser. There's a lot of different de-essers, a lot of different al- algorithms. And sometimes I find like the best vocals are the vocals with good de-essing. Probably being crazy, but there there is an art to de-essing. I just got the, what's it called? The uh, Slate Digital plugins and I, I'm excited to try their de-esser. Yeah. yeah, Slate Digital is really good. But like I've read articles where some people use like three different de-essers on three different bands. Like overall, what de-esser do you feel like is the best? Try and true, bang for your buck. So also what's a good thing is that when you have a de-esser, you can boost the highs. I think that a combination of the waves, the regular waves, the sir. In addition to the Fab Filter Pro DS, is really good. <laughs> I know it's weird, but if you can, like, if you can use the Pro Q3, get on the frequencies you don't like, maybe 5K, 3K, and 6K, and then just have it work as that, a dynamic. Which, which song was that that you actually like manually DS with? The oh computer? yeah, we had we had a friend record vocals one time, and I just like I don't know, I just his S's were just like really shh. So I would just, so just I would just automate the EQ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It works. It and sometimes when you vocal composite, you take different S's from different takes because they sound better. It's just, there's a lot to it. Following that de-esser, uh, vocal synth is disabled. We have, I didn't use sends for this one. I actually made, I used a rack and I did three different, I did a, re- a reverb, like a wet reverb, which we used Torverb really good. I used that because I saw Zalant use it and oh, yeah. it, hasn't, <laughs> it hasn't done me wrong yet. I really was impressed with your reverb like across the song on the leads on like yeah. stones. but talk to me about like your reverb like what's your go-to reverbs and and verb. we use a preset called mutiny on bounty and it's like a really nice luscious reverb but then when it comes to like like maybe if we want like a little shorter reverb you know that's like that adds excitement like i don't know if we necessarily use it in the song but sometimes with like higher leads uh like really high sawtooths we use like a reverb and distort the reverb but we want to have control over it we use like the regular stock Ableton reverb. But when it comes to like important things like vocals or like uh, pads or plucks, like we want to 
usually like like we trust Torver because very natural. It just hasn't done us wrong yet, and it's really natural. And then for delay, we don't use H today. We use the regular ping pong delay. This is a question that we get asked all the time, and I've heard of myriad of different answers. So like we all know when we put a reverb on something, and then the reverb just like sounds great within the first five seconds, but then after a while, it just gets so muddy and so clunky and it's just like there's just too much how do you solve that ableton's reverb is just like the diffusion is like so zero to 100 that's why Torverb is like nice because it's just like it's like right so in addition to that more recent years when we make our songs we really want control on everything so if you look at our projects if you look at the bases uh we have this thing it's basically like a utility but it's called chain volume like we made a little preset basically it's utility but it's macros set to zero and negative infinity yeah. so that you can just the ease of drawing it in is just like you just if you want it's, it's like a, a, mute, and B. a mute essentially we route it to the chain of the actual we do that so things don't bleed through to the next sound and with like all the processing we're doing anything leads, anything that you're hearing is like being put turned on and, and then, then turned down. off yeah we want total control and, 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 and this is also something for anybody who might be new out there too like no, nothing is ever automated from the mixer like don't don't mix yeah don't, don't automate your we try to put two channels on the utility channels. before yeah because there's utility to yeah. automate any kind of volumes it's better um, for the for the end process because you if you want to like adjust volumes you can't do it if yeah. you already it's going to be a mess so with the reverb we believe in just having control so if like it's necessary to use like a utility just to take down the reverb at the end just to control it or like if there are artifacts that we don't like we just cut it out muting and unmuting like if you were to turn on the automation for the entire project you would just see everything kind of like yeah like like a lot of these are a lot of these are really frozen all these are frozen uh but if you were to see this you'd see like the chain volume just like whenever the midi would be on the screen the volume would go up and then once it's done with it would go down just to avoid any artifacts leaking out to the next sound let's talk about sound design i'm you know i'm I'm a sound design kind of guy let's talk about the sound design that's going on in your drop i know you got a lot going on in your drop but let's talk about it sound design is just a common combination of using serum and creating the actual sounds or taking like already pre-existing sounds and like law processing <laughs> whether it be like using frequency shifter or even using the eq in a sense to make a growl from a bass like a regular just static bass hearing something in serum and then understanding how you're going to post process it is a huge part because like you might know that it sounds like crap in serum but knowing how you can process like low frequency like yeah bases that you can turn into like a lot of these mid-tempo sounds that are like super high res and all like distortion or erosion yeah redux it makes it really interesting especially in the and the transfer process between the source oh. and like the the processing. If you want to take sound design to the next level, or you know, create those gnarly sounds, Serum's just the start, and then the post processing. The post processing is quite important. Thing is, is you shouldn't expect the sound coming straight out of Serum to be like the best sound. That's really really good advice. I think. I feel like everyone's like, let me learn how to use Serum, but there's so many. It is for sure more than half the battle. I would say you could do. There's so many things on Serum, but because honestly, like you know, they have like Serum Effects, which has basically everything you'd ever need, but it's not yeah. like. They're not all perfect, right? And so yeah. I the only thing I use serum effects for like really ever is their like distortion and yeah. and that's basically it. I think that's really, really good advice to maybe step outside of serum once you have a base plate and kind of go from there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The sky is the limit and serum is a great starting point for a lot of sounds, but you need to be able to like take your ideas and maybe, you I know, think- you can't do automation the same way. Yeah. You can't like do long, like you can use envelopes and you can. I mean, you can do, you can do a lot. Do a, yeah, don't samples. Strong. I mean, 
mean, once you kind of get the ins and outs of serum, you can you can create vastly original sounds, you know, and, and I think that's the appeal is from nothing, you're creating something and that's why people, you know, use it because even if you take a sample, you're still you're still coming from sort of somewhere. Let's talk about specific sounds that you that you created inside of the drop. Like for example, on the, on the downbeat of the drop, how did you make that sound? We could show you guys the original. We had a different drop for the second drop, but then it might have been a little bit too complicated. Monster Cat's like, oh, it's cool, but can you guys rearrange a little bit so we just completely it scrapped it. I mean, similar, but VIP, VIP, <laughs> very similar, but they didn't like it too much. And they told us to like change it around. You can hear a lot of the same sounds, but what, what he's just asking mm-hmm. kind of like the basic process of what the first, the, the growl on the one is there a growl. No, I think it's just the bass. So yeah, it's a love bass. Uh, not, it's not too different. You can see a lot of the processing though. We did a lot. <laughs> I didn't even know we did this much, but for the most part, what it is, is just trying to get the middle to come out a lot more than it was. You can see that this isn't very orthodox way to mixing. You shouldn't mix like this. Things should sound good from the get go, but I, I handle a lot of the mixing. So I like, while I was alone, I would always try new things. And like, I spent hours just trying to get this to fit. And I don't know, somehow it did, but like really, in a really unorthodox way. This is actually a Cymax, um Super Saw chord shot. We use the same exact one for our song Game Over. I don't think we've ever had uh, anyone on the show that hasn't used at least one. No, no, we love that. We don't, we don't like use it for our main sounds. We use it for pretty, more of the It's a pretty, yeah. It's a pretty basic chord shot with with automation. That's that's it's very vibrato. Like, we use this one in Game Over, and that's the only reason I used it because we used this such a long time ago. And we like using like paying like a little. You can't necessarily hear, but we like paying homage to some of our old songs. Cymax Brass. Hey sample from Cashmere, and I believe that's it. That should be it. Uh, so that's the main, that's the, the first hit. So a bunch of different things. You can't really hear, you can't, once you hear them individually, like you hear them at the same time. Uh, but I think the one that takes the main like focus is the chord shot. But then all the elements that are like a lot more important, a lot more like unique are all our sound design. As you can see, they're all very frozen and there's no remnants of the serum. One thing that's really impressed me about your guys' music is uh, your drums are very, very well processed. The only other song that I've heard that's just been close as Pegboard Nerds is drums. They, they're they just really, really good with the punchiness of the kick and the snare. So talk to me about how you how you got your drums to be the way they are and you know your kick and snare. Talk to me about okay. that. We made all these kicks and snares from kick oh. two and then also combining old kick Kick two is great. The snare is serum. You can't. So I can show. I I make a bunch of these kinds of stuff just so f- for us to use. The snare is this awesome snare I made a while back. It's a nice snare. And then the kick is just this regular clicky kick. We like clicky kicks. They're nice. There's a lot to it. The really important part about a kick and a snare is the thump because that's like the main characteristic of it. So uh, when you're using kick two, how do you build out your kick from there? Do you do you go into the presets or do you just like start with the bass? When we go into kick two, I, w- I really wish I could open these things, but OBS is really slow. What we do is we adjust the pitch. I do compare it to other kicks while I'm doing it and it's like AB reference, but a lot of it is just getting the punch right and then some saturation, EQing. Transients are very important in order to get these to cut through. I think that when you ask like, how do we get our drums so clean, it's a combination of 
of transient, like getting the transients through like a plugin, like Transient Master, Transient Shaper by Kilohertz. Kilohertz. Very good. Very good. Very but good. it's not only that, it's also the sidechain. And on this song and songs alike, I believe we have two sides. No, we have this sidechain. And you can see right here that it doesn't immediately just dip down. It's like a little gradual of a dip. And then you can see on the delay section that the sidechain yeah. starts. So we negative delay, delay the channel so that the sidechain hits like right before the actual so it has a time to go down and then the transit comes up and that gives it room for the transit to breathe and not overlap so we literally have like a side chain that happens nine milliseconds before the actual kick start just getting the transients and using your own jump samples or at least processing them to like to the best of your abilities you could have a lot more control and you could trust it we use the snare very often but within the last year what has been like the most mind-blowing and i want an answer from both of you what has been the most mind-blowing sound design technique that you guys have learned it really resonates with post-processing because I've learned so much. Like he's a lot better with serum. I, I like am very, very good with manipulating samples and stuff, mm -hmm. but it's just so important. It's really just kind of finding finding chains that you're familiar with, like finding like the right areas of phasers and erosion and, and then just like That's I mean sometimes spot. sometimes saving them and, and throwing them on like crazy random things that you just create like the most unique and then resample it and, and kind of do the same thing. And I guess outside of serum that has been a huge thing for me one of the most mind-blowing things was that what was it that you can put in the in the noise oscillator of zero oh that was actually au5 au5 trick, oh, okay where he put uh, a sine wave in the noise oscillator and then i don't know what exactly what it was it was called but you can but the fact that it does the phase mod yeah that was really cool but we don't use that that often. was we should start, we no, should start that was pretty mind-blowing though also did you guys see the new the new filters on on the serum update no are you serious there's new filters yeah, yeah there's, there's, they added the massive scream filter and they also added this low pass comb it's a very it's a combination of two filters i, have, I didn't see it but i used it <laughs> there's so many things to this question does it have to be only sound design or can it be like mixing and mastering or something you know it can be mixing and mastering i, I will allow this. Okay. this okay thank you i used to have so much trouble comparing our songs to like zombie never compare songs to zombie first of all I was, gonna, I was gonna touch on this. I was gonna touch on this a little bit too, just in terms of like, I guess something healthy for everyone to learn is like definitely have a reference track. Oh yeah, pretty much always. So kind of compare yourself to Zombie, but and don't don't kill yourself if it doesn't sound as loud as Zombie. So I'm trying to tell you. No, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. But I mean, in, in terms of like getting your mix like to where you want it to sound, best way to do it is just to, to compare compare as closely as possible. You know, mm -hmm. like like EQ, find out where the sub is of of mm -hmm. a song that you how like. How loud the sub is. How it's Chain. That's a lot. That's a, our sound design and a lot of our like ideas come from just analyzing the bare bones of like a, like the low end or just like a separation between this and that. But for mix and mastering, a really important thing that helped me like figure out how to get our sound our song sounding loud. How we don't spend a lot of time as much as we used to. Stereo. Stereo width is really important. And if you if a sound doesn't sound loud enough, there's a lot of room in, in the side spectrum and it's like boost them up. So just like in general, if a sound doesn't necessarily sound too loud, if you want to make it pop out more, just put it in the stereo spectrum. And then also like, you don't want everything in the stereo spectrum, you don't want everything in the mono, but there's obviously like select things need to be in both. A good thing was just like boosting our side signal and like with the new Pro Q3, we can compress our side signal. It's just a lot, of, just getting things louder is just brightening up your sides and just boosting up your sides. So that's something that like helped us just like stop pausing our songs just to figure it out. It was just it's it's a breakthrough. Um, very first off, I want to talk on the the sound design thing and like the post processing thing. So I mentioned the A5 sound design course, and that's what it is. It is 
literally all about post-processing, especially with only Ableton devices. That's it. It's only Ableton devices and showing like the pure power of it. And so like there's certain things in there where we have 50 simple delays after a song or we have a multiband vocoder vocoding a multiband vocoder. Like it's insane, right? <laughs> Stupid deep. You know what I mean? So as far as post-processing, yes. If you guys who are watching this right now are not post-processing, holy crap, you're missing out on an entire world of sounds. An entire world of sounds. Yeah, we've, made, we've made like growls from cowbells. Before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like that kind of stuff freaking amazing. Second thing I want to talk about was you're talking about the reference track. There is an amazing Max for Live device and it does similar to, it does something similar to like what Ozone used to or still does, where it's like you can see the curve, the EQ curve of everything, but you can have three different references in there, right? So you can you can have everything in there and it all matches it together and it's free. It's freaking free. It's so good. I can't remember what it's called. So your, mix, your mix has to be good before you do that. That's true. It does. But when you get there, yes. it's a great <laughs> tool, right? What's the third thing? Stereo. Again, talking about the E5 course, mid side OTT. You ever heard that before? I want to. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> That's, it's included within that course. I'll send over to you. We include all the racks and everything. But AU5 came up with it. Like, it's so simple. I don't know why anyone hasn't done it yet. Oh my gosh. Like, company was freaking mind blown over that mode step was as well. So, mid side OTT, guys. I'm with it. I mean, it's that important. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> That's all I got for you. But guys, did you have a good time? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Daw Nation. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of In the Daw with Pixel Terror, breaking down their song Ultima. If you found anything in this episode, that was helpful to you. Take a screenshot right now and tag me on Instagram stories at in the daw behind the daw and tell me what concept really helped you out this week. Also, if you like this episode, not only should you like, comment, and subscribe, but you should also check out the AU5, Tynan, Trivecta, and Modestep episodes of In the Daw. I would also encourage you to check out our Behind the Daw episodes. They focus more on the emotional, philosophical, artistic, and business side of music. Make sure to check out the episodes with KJ Saka, Dodge and Fusky, Rogue, Echoes, and Cares episode. You can listen to the podcast anywhere on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Deezer, wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. And if you would like to take your sound design skills to a whole new level, then make sure to check out AU5 and In The Daw's course, The School of Bass. It has over 20 hours of videos showing extremely unique and advanced sound design techniques that AU5 and I have gathered over the last 15 years. It also includes a ridiculously huge amount of effects racks, instrument racks, and project files. We also included a bunch of bonuses, some of which include MIDI arrangement templates of over 70 of AU5 songs so that you can see how he arranged his most famous songs. We also include a sound design journal template that we have loaded with over 45 different techniques. You get access to the private Daw Nation Facebook group and a personal 20-minute coaching call with me where you can ask me absolutely anything. We originally priced the course at $497 but ultimately decided to go the subscription route and only charge $47 a month to access all of our content. There's no long-term commitment. You can cancel anytime. You can be a part of the school base for one month, two months, three months, six months, a year, however long you need however long you want it's completely in your control and when you're done you're done that's it there's no questions asked however we are going to keep updating the course every month with more and more content but if you're not much of a subscription guy that's totally cool we also offer the lifetime access plan which is where you pay 247 dollars once and have lifetime access to all of our current content and all of our future content for the school base so if all of this sounds amazingly interesting to you head on over to courses.inthedaw.net that is courses.inthedaw.net and if you're still on the fence about all this no worries you can take our free version of the school base there's a link below for this or you can again go to courses.inthedaw.net and you can find it there as well the daw nation i hope you enjoyed this week's episode of in the daw and if you did again let me know either in the comments or by tagging me in an instagram story at in the daw behind the daw but daw nation i hope you have a great day and we'll see you on next week's episode